Welcome to the OA Light a Candle Meeting podcast. Visit our website at oalaig.org where you will find several speaker feeds with over 800 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep this special service active. The opinions expressed on the Light a Candle podcast are those of individual OA members and do not represent OA as a whole. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Natalie. I am Natalie, compulsive reader. Can you hear me? Uh, I don't know why I'm nervous because I've spoken here before, but, you know, um, life keeps changing. It's not like, you know, you come here and then that's it. So I think I'll go through the steps. Um, I know that's usually very helpful for people. Before the meeting, I thought, what do I want people to get from my share? And I think the number one thing is hope because it took me 10 years to get my current almost 20 years next week. And, um, you know, in the beginning, it was very, very difficult. This is a hard disease, and a lot of people don't talk about it. But um, I moved to the U.S. when I was 12, and I didn't have a food problem up until then. Um, But I always felt different. And... um, Then we moved here in 1989, and I started, you know, kind of like one of those Magic Mountain roller coasters. That's how my weight started, which part of it is for being a teenager, but as you can tell, I'm pretty short. I'm 5'2", for those who can't see me, and um, it'd be nice if I was another foot. But anyways, I'm not, so (laughs) the bottom line is everything expands very rapidly, and... um, So from the age of 12 to 25, I really struggled. And, you know, my mom is a Lifetime Weight Watchers member, and so I thought that's what I need to do. And I tried it many times, and I just couldn't figure out why it was so difficult. And um, in my high school, they had a book, and one of my compulsive overeating Um, It was really bad that night, and I opened the book, and it said, if you have a problem with alcohol, go to AA. If you have a problem with food, go to OA. So I never met anybody in OA, so I wish I did. I wish I met some people in 12-step programs, because I didn't understand the extent and the commitment, and this is a lifelong thing. As long as I'm going to be alive, I'm going to be different, because it's not just my food. You know, food is just... The small part of it, it's my reaction to life. Something happens in my reaction, which is why I'm so extremely grateful. You know, I have a sponsor, I have sponsees, I have fellows, I go to meetings, um, you know, I'm part of big book workshops. So, but, you know, this thing never goes away, whether you call it a disease or whatever you call it, it doesn't matter what the name is. But step one took me many years because when I came in, I was 15, so you can imagine how a 15-year-old is. My mom used to drive me to the meetings. I didn't have a driver's license. And um, I just thought it was very nice. People were nice. If I just come to a meeting, something will happen. Well, I'm sure many people know that's not the way it works. But anyways, that's what I tried so hard, and I got this sponsor and that sponsor. And I didn't realize at that time, that this is progressive, it only gets worse, and it's kind of like one of those, I guess I like Magic Mountain as my correlation, you know, it's like really bad really fast, you know, in the beginning it's not so bad, and then you're like, oh my goodness. (laughs) Um, 
you know, so in the beginning it wasn't so bad. I gained some weight and, you know, if I can be fat and happy, I would be. I really would be. <laughs> but um, it's not about being fat and happy. It's about, you know, the daily unmanageability with life. That's the issue. Um, so the reason it took me so many years to really accept step one, because I think for me it was, part of it is my age, but I don't think that's all of it. Part of it is because between my head and my heart were two different things. Um, to really believe in my heart that I'm different. And for me, a part of it is I'm not bad. There's nothing wrong with me. It just, I'm 5'2", and I have um, brown hair. I know I can change my color hair, but... <laughs> You know, this is who I am. I have, you know, green eyes. Um, I don't go around thinking, gosh, I just can't believe I'm 5'2". You know, it's really upsetting. I mean, I, I don't, right? I just, this is just reality of life. Um, or my age, you know, I don't go around thinking, gosh, this is so unfair. I'm getting older. I mean, you know. Um, so, so it took me a long time to really take it into my heart and believe that there's nothing wrong with me. I'm different than other people, and I will always have this, and I have to work at it. Um, you know, like, this is my number one job. And I remember my sponsor, I had a sponsor for almost 20 years, Nancy, and um, she passed away a couple of years ago. And um, she was like my second mom. And she asked me, what do you need to do differently? you know, to get your absence, because I was struggling, I couldn't get 30 days, and almost 30 days, and it was, I was really sick and tired of listening to myself, and, um, and what I realized is I need to do two things, at that time I already gave up desserts, but I wasn't willing to give up white flour, because I thought only crazy people do that, and there's only a limit to what I'm willing to do, and then the other thing was calling three people every day, and the reason I didn't want to call three people every day is because I didn't want to talk to people, basically. <laughs> I mean, that's just the bottom line. I didn't want to talk to people. Um, because of my family history, my parents are not always very open about things. And so I didn't grow up, you know, talking to people about my issues. You just figure out your own problems and deal with it. I mean, what's the problem? And um, so anyways, so that was hard calling three people every day. That was, and I still do that to this day, um, I, unless I'm out of the country, which obviously, um, with the change of time. Um, but now, the next time I'll be out of the country, there's Zoom meetings, so I'm so excited, you know, because in, you know, a year from now, I'm going. So, um, anyways, so, what was I trying to say? Oh my God, I lost, I lost my train of thought now. There's two things you needed to do different. Yes, thank you. <laughs> See, I got nervous and then my head started. Um, so when she told me that, I realized I needed to do those two things differently. And it was hard. Making OA the number one job in my life, um, you know, it's not like you go to work and you're like, you just can't believe how excited I am to do OA in addition to everything else I have to do in life, you know? Um but slowly, things really changed for the positive, and it was, it was a lot of hard work, and, um, you know, Nancy was very, very patient, and um, she really changed my life. I, I, I knew her almost 20 years, 
And um, so step one, you know, for me is like the hardest step to really, really take it in my heart. And then step two and three, I know a lot of people struggle with the higher power. I didn't come in believing in a higher power. Um, I went from not believing to neutral to my sponsor telling me um, to borrow hers. And then now my current one is I love nature. I love walking around and... When I see, whether it's the beach, my nephews used to be close by, but they're not, so, um, or um, trees or flowers, you know, I walk, I used to walk in the morning, but now it's too cold, so um, I shouldn't say this for the people on the East Coast, but anyways, at lunchtime I walk, you know, and uh, just seeing the trees and the flowers, there's something bigger than me, obviously, and... You know, I know one of the things my sponsor always told me was pray. It doesn't matter how you feel, it's what you do. And I used to be, I know people who know me now probably won't believe me, but I used to be a complaining department. <laughs> I used to just go on and complain all the time. And she would just get so sick of me. She'd be like, would you stop complaining already? And I was serious when I said, I'm not done complaining. I still have more complaining to do. Now, I don't know how she dealt with it at the time, but she did. And, um, you know, and it was, uh, you know, I, like I said, I really learned a lot from her, and I still think about her um, on a regular basis. And, uh, and now I have a really, really good sponsor for the last five years. She's really, uh, she's really amazing. She's really terrific. She probably spoke at this meeting before. Um, so step two and three took a long time to walk through, and I know a lot of people struggle. You know, I have a couple sponsees here today, and none of the steps are like a magic. You know, it's not like this is a magic show. Um, I mean, I'm 45 now, and I came at 15, so it's 30 years, so that's a long time. Um, step four, I actually left away because of step four, because I just thought, I don't need to do this. I don't have any resentments. I don't want a higher power, and I'm just... And then, actually, I thought, if I leave the program, and this is a true thought. I mean, now I think about it, it's really crazy. But anyways, I thought, if I leave the program, I'm not going to have these food issues because, you know, it's the people in the room, they're really making... If I stop talking about it and seeing all these people, I'll stop having these food issues. It's really annoying. <laughs> so, um, so I stopped. I stopped for two years. That didn't solve my food issues at all, and actually just got worse, and my daily unmanageability got, you know, worse. So step four is not an easy step, and I know a lot of people, um, you know, I've had a, quite a few sponsees leave, you know, or stop working away when um, step four. I know for me, I've done the steps multiple times over the years, and I've done the big book workshops, which I highly recommend to people. Because I think it's so much nicer to do it in a group. We used to do it in Westchester. I used to do one with um, Herb Kay in uh, Santa Monica a long time ago. And to do it in a group and to feel like you're a part of something. So it's not just me struggling through all these steps. Um, you know, when it says resentment is the number one offender, I honestly... Well, first of all, I didn't believe a lot of the, what the big book had to say. And I thought, how does this even relate to me? You know, I don't relate to white men who grew up, you know, 100 years ago, and I'm not an alcoholic. So, 
you know, why are we reading this book, basically? And, um, you know, but over the time, I've, I've probably went through the steps maybe eight or nine or ten times by now. I see more and more, it's not so much on the outside, it's more on the inside, my feelings. Um, you know, wanting to be better than, wanting to prove myself, wanting, you know, feeling not a part of, just all those things, that's what makes up, um, you know, an addict, basically. Uh, for me, it's a food addict. And um, so when it says resentment is the number one offender, it's really, really true. I just didn't understand how true it is. And I know for me now, when I have a resentment, I have to write about it right away. I can't just wait until the weekend or I feel until I feel like it or, you know, the sky's blue. Um, and, you know, I always have a journal. All my sponsees know that. But I have a journal in my purse, in my desk at work. Well, now it's my home. Uh, you know, next to my bed, on my sofa, I write a lot, and journaling really, really, really helps me. Um, but working through the fourth step, which was painful, but it gets easier every time. All the steps get easier every time. Um, step five was, you know, all the, all the steps are life-altering, but step five was really... Before Nancy, I had another sponsor who moved out of the state, and... I'm the oldest of three girls, and when we moved here, my parents had a really rough life for many years before it got less rough, and so what happened is that I never had someone just sit and listen to me. It was always like rushing while doing two million things while, you know, laundry and other things. Step five felt like it was the first time, you know, back then I was just beginning to be an adult, that an adult listen to me without doing two million other things and it was so healing you know I saw her three times it was three hours each and it was hard it was really hard but it was so healing to have someone just sit and listen without trying to fix my feelings without trying to tell me you know you should just be happy you should just be grateful um just to be. I grew up, and I know a lot of people have, but I grew up, we never talked about our feelings. And uh, if you weren't happy, don't talk about it. And obviously that doesn't work. So um, learning to, you know, realize what the feelings are, feel them and move them through them without dying, you know, which obviously nobody does from from feelings, but learning how to do that, like, I wish I would have learned that earlier, because it's so imperative, how can you be a human being otherwise, you know, but anyways, for many years, I didn't, I didn't know how to do that, and um, I'm grateful, like, I can do that now, um, but, you know, when I think about it, my parents didn't have the skills, they grew up in a very survival mode, and so, that was the best their parents could do. So, um, so step five, like I said, is very, was very life-changing. And then step six and seven around um, character defects. I really thought these were extra steps. They weren't necessary. And my character defects weren't that bad. Well, my sponsor was very happy to point out to me, you know, my selfishness, self-centeredness, judgment, ego, pride. 
And she'd point it out, like, on a regular basis. <laughs> so <laughs> whenever I thought, gosh, you know, I really don't have any character defects coming up, she'd be like, no, I see your selfishness, self-centeredness is really coming up here. And um, it was very humbling, but I really learned a lot. I didn't realize how, you know, it's so interwoven in my being. Um, and, you know, for every character defect, there's a character asset. So on the one hand, you know, just one example is I'm very stubborn, you know, but then I'm persistent, so then I'm still here, you know, because... Ten years is a long time to get absent. I don't recommend it to anybody, really. Um, steps eight and nine, you know, you know, making amends, that was also very hard, and I didn't want to make that either. But, you know, doing one at a time, and I still actually have the original sheet that I did with my, well, back then we used paper and pen, so, but anyways, <laughs> that sounds like such a long time ago. But um, my sponsor really helped me with, you know, going through one at a time. And it was such a healing process. I felt like I could see anybody, you know, and run into anybody and not feel, not feel bad, you know, about the mistakes I made. Um, step 10, I do every day. Um, I know some people say 10, 11, and 12 are the maintenance steps. I really think they're growth steps. I mean, they're... You know, I have to do them every single day. And it's not like, oh, you have so much, you know, so many years now you can, like, take a break. Because it's always there. It's always there with my thinking. And my thinking is the first thing that's the problem, really. Um, it ultimately shows up in food. But my thinking is the first thing that's a problem. Um, so I do a 10-step every day. And um, let's see. And then step 11, prayer and meditation, um, that was a very, very, very hard step for me. I didn't believe in prayer, and I didn't believe in meditation. So um, I honestly, and I'm, I'm being serious, I really just thought only if you're Gandhi, you meditate. Otherwise, <laughs> why would you do that? It doesn't apply. So, um, and I grew up in a very non-relaxing place. So um, my family was, a, you know, they're still very anxious because of stuff. So, um, so to learn how to sit still for a few minutes was, like, life-changing. Um, you know, I still do it, but it took me years, I'm not exaggerating, to get even a few minutes together. Um, because I just, sitting still without, without doing things. And actually, it's been so helpful. One of the things my sponsor will say is, you know, pause. Because sometimes I, you know, respond, react instead of respond. Which, by the way, happened this week. It's very humbling being a human being. You don't, you know, you don't become perfect. So <laughs> things still come up, and I still have to talk to my sponsor about things. And um, she's very sweet. She's very helpful. Um, but prayer and meditation, those two things were... I, I really, I didn't think it was necessary. So, you know, working through it and praying, even though I didn't believe, that was a really big thing. And then meditation, um, you know, that took many, many years. To even do a few minutes, you know, now I do longer. But it's so invaluable, and um, and actually it's funny, where I grew up, which I never thought was gonna, they were going to get into meditation, now they're, they are into meditation. I guess it's everywhere. But anyways... Um, step 12, 
you know, practicing these principles in all our affairs and carrying the message. You know, when I first started working with sponsees, and I know I have two sponsees here tonight, but I didn't like it. I thought, why do I have to talk to my own sponsor all the time? Why do I have to work with other people? I don't want to talk to anybody. <laughs> so, <laughs> this is a lot of work, and I don't want to do it. So, um, but you know, I'll have to say that one of the things that's helped me the most through COVID, and COVID actually wasn't the hardest thing. Um, my family had some major health issues, and thankfully my parents are both alive, but um, that was the hardest thing, the health issues, is um, working with other people. And one of the benefits of, of COVID and Zoom, which I never thought in my life would happen, is that I have, I have a sponsee on the other side of the world. I mean, I would have never met somebody. I have family on the other side of the world, but I, don't have, I wouldn't have known a sponsee on the other side of the world. Um, and it's so neat, you know, because of Zoom, you know, we can, we Zoom every, uh, every Sunday and connect. Um, but sponsees have been one of the most helpful things for me in program because working with, there's nothing like when I go into my self-pity mode, there's nothing like working with someone else. Even though I've made a lot of mistakes as a sponsor and, um, I'll never forget, a long time ago, this one lady told me, I feel like you're doing this out of obligation, not because you care. And it really stuck with me. You know, it was a long time ago, uh, but it really stuck with me. So all these things, you know, working with people, and actually now it's very similar to my real-life job where I work with people, um, with students. So um, let's see if I have anything else to say. So if you're having a hard time, because I wanted my, my topic to be hope, is, you know, this is really hard. And I, they used to say, and they don't say it anymore, keep coming back before the miracle happens. And people used to say, tell me that all the time. You know, I used to be the youngest person in the room. Anyways, I'm not the youngest person anymore. But I used to be 30 years ago. And I used to think, gosh, I have nothing in common with people here. And... Um, but I kept coming back. I kept coming back. So um, I think that's all I have to share. I'll open it up for questions if anybody has any questions. <laughs> oh, yes. Thanks, Natalie. Um, Can you share a little bit about like what your compulsive eating looked like and then what happened for you that brought that, like how you ended up in OA, what brought you to the rooms of OA? Okay, so that's a really good question. Okay, so the question is, um, what my compulsive overeating looked like and what ended up bringing me to OA? Well, it's very simple. I ate a ton, a ton of desserts, which is why I gained a ton of weight. But anyways, anything chocolatey with a ton of sugar uh, that comes in a box that you can buy at the local grocery store. <laughs> I mean, I would eat so many of them, my stomach would explode. And um, I remember, you know, my doctor just looked at me and told me, you know, you'd have, you're going to be pre-diabetic if you continue. But here was my thought process. I thought, well, he's just a doctor. What does he know? <laughs> I'm going to, yeah, that was my thought. I know, 18 years old and very smart. What can I say? Uh, but I used to eat non-stop all the time. 
more, breakfast was always good because, you know, you have to eat a good breakfast. Uh, but 11 on was disaster. And then I remember when I was in college, I was in the dorms for part of it. And um, I'm sure many people know dorms have unlimited food, which is really bad for a compulsive overeater. And I just ate like there's no tomorrow. It was just a nightmare, really, I think about it. Um, yeah, so it, it was, you know, so my current absence is I don't eat desserts. I don't eat white flour. I eat three meals and two snacks, um, sometimes three snacks if it gets um, long time in between meals because sometimes I do these conferences and I start really early in the morning until later. Um, but does that answer your question? It does, except for what was your bottom? My bottom was, actually, this is a true story. Um, I was in the desert and during the day, and because I ate so badly, as I was always eating so badly, and I didn't drink enough water, that night I fainted and I broke my four front teeth. So my sister told me, you look like Bugs Bunny. And I said, well, what do you mean? She said, look in the mirror. And I will never forget, well, first of all, if anybody has been to the dentist, it's, it's really not fun. It's very expensive, and I still remember to this day, and this is 20 years later, this dentist, who was very good, but I really would like to not see, you know, somebody like that for many hours. But I think the unmanageability of, obviously, I didn't have control when I fainted, and that was very, very scary. And I went to the doctor and all of that, and... You know, they said my blood work came well, but I know that if I was abstinent, this wouldn't have happened. And, you know, so between that and then I realized that, you know, I, I used to think, I don't think like that anymore, but I used to think you're always going to be 21, 22, 20 something. I mean, aren't you 20 forever? Well, no. <laughs> Anyways, that's how I used to think. And then I realized the ages keep going up. And my life keeps becoming more unmanageable. And um, so between both of those things, it brought me to a bottom. It was very, was very hard and very humbling. In addition to the fact that I was fat and felt horrible about myself, that, that was just a side note, but that's in addition to the other ones. So, yeah, thanks for asking that. You talked about your defect of character being stubbornness. How do you work with your defects of character? You know, I have this thing with my sponsor, so... Oh, yeah, that's right. Sorry. Um, how do I work with my defects of character? I talked about being stubborn. So one of, one of my... And I can't think of the word, the name of the character defect right now. Is I have a really hard time with change. And I'm sure nobody has had any change in the last three years, <laughs> in addition to my entire life. I mean, I've moved countries. So, um, so one of the things that's really been helpful is to laugh about it. So my sponsor will say, I know how much you love change. And, you know, just not taking it so heavy, because then I can laugh about it, because I have such... And it's gotten better. It's gotten so much better over the years, but... The more I talk about it, write about it, um, and laugh about it, because it's kind of funny, really, you know, but she's just very gentle and loving, 
Um, she's actually older than my parents. But just just laughing about it makes me be like, okay, fine, I have to get used to this new... I mean, now it's happening like every week. We've had a lot of changes at work, with my family, just a lot of stuff. Um, but especially talking to my sponsor and being rigorously honest about it has been really helpful. Yeah. Does that answer your question? Yeah. Was there another? Yeah. Um, was there a time that you feel like when you started losing weight and it became like God doing it? Like, was there a difference between like self-will trying to lose weight and like God? I don't even know how to say this, but do you know what I mean? Like, was there a time when you were like, oh, God is doing this for me. Like, I don't have to try so hard because like the steps are doing it. Yes. Okay, the question is, was there a time when you didn't have to try so hard and the steps were doing it? Um, well, that's actually been true the entire time because the more I focus on food, I still love food. I still love to eat. I look forward to every meal and every snack. I don't know if I'll ever not like food, you know. But the difference is that I'm not – there's a difference between being obsessed about and like, you know, oh, my God, I have to, you know, eat it. Um, well, now – Working the steps and working OA is really a full-time job, so it's kind of hard to think about food while my sponsor is giving me assignments. I have to call three people every day. I have to call my sponsor in the morning, do writing, you know, do a 10-step at the end of the night. It kind of limits how much time you have to think about food, you know? So, um, so but yeah, the, you know, and I have lost and gained weight during um, program. Right now, I'm down 45 pounds which for somebody my height and over 40, it's really fun as you get older. Um, but I have gained and lost over the time, and I gain very easily, so easily it's unbelievable. Um, and so I have to be rigorously. So that's why I started weighing myself every month, because it's, it's hard for me to tell, um, you know, I can gain five pounds, six pounds in a month. I mean, it's just without even overeating. I mean, it's just, yeah, it's really something else. Yeah, so, you know. I came in late, so feel free to pass. Oh, no, go ahead. Um, I remember you going through that process. I think your sponsor that you had for a long time got ill. Um, and can you just talk about your journey and transitioning to new sponsors, whether it be your most recent one or in the past, in your long tenure in the program? And again, if you've already covered that during your Oh, no, no, it's okay. I'll share about it. Yeah, so the question is, how did I go from my sponsor um, that I had for almost 20 years to um, transition to, to my current sponsor? Uh, it was very hard when she first, when Nancy first told me, that she had um, breast cancer stage four. That was 10 years ago. I was angry at God for a year. Um, and I never cry at work, but I really cried at work and I think people were shocked. Um, it was very hard. Um, she was my sponsor for like the beginning years, but then when she declined with her health, you know, she was more like my... Um, there's something very comforting when you know someone very, very well. Um, but it was hard. I talked about it at so many meetings. I'm sure everybody had, you know, earful about it. 
Um, I had a, a, a friend, and I'm very grateful to her. Um, she told me, you know, you should really get another sponsor. And I was like, why? She's like, well, you know, this is not looking very good. And I was like, I, I know, but it's, um, as I was saying, I don't like change. <laughs> and I was with Nancy for so many years, and... Um, it, it, it was a hard transition to even think about asking someone else. Um, I've had people die in my life, but many, many, many years ago, when I was a young kid, um, this was the first time as an adult, and um, it, it was very hard. She really loved living, and um, but she had a beautiful memorial on Zoom two years ago, and I still talk to her husband every so often. And, um, but yeah, I got my current sponsor about five years ago. She makes fun of me. So when I first, I've known her for many years. I've known her probably 10, 15 years. But she became a sponsor five years ago. So when I first got her, I said, my other sponsor is going to die any day. So I need you, you know, just in case this happens. And so any day it happened like five years later. But, um... But she's like, I'm just going to point out your negative thinking here. And I'm like, well, you know, I'm just being realistic here. So, and then she was like, well, you're just being Natalie. And I'm like, okay, fine. You know what? So, um, but it was very hard. I really loved her a lot. And um, the night she passed at 3.30, I woke up and I thought, what the heck is happening here? And um, anyway, she passed that, that, that morning at that time. So, um, but yeah, my current sponsor is really, she's really terrific, and uh, we laugh about, you know, not liking change, negative thinking, um, she says I catastrophize things, sometimes I think I'm just being realistic, <laughs> that's what she says, so, uh, but you know, we can laugh about it. Because you got to laugh to make it through life. Quick follow-up. And, like, what was your selection process of, like, choosing your new sponsor? Oh, my new sponsor? How did you choose the new sponsor? So I asked a few women. Uh, one lady could only do it during the day. Oh, the, well, someone who had more time than me, and actually did, my current sponsor doesn't have, but who had strong abstinence, and I felt comfortable with her. Um... There were only a few women that came to one. One lady could only do it during the day, and I worked during the day. Another lady was full. And then I thought about my current sponsor. So I was going to these big book workshops in Westchester for many years. And actually, I'm still doing it on Zoom. And I remembered her very clearly. And, um, you know, she was happy. She has a strong program. She's from New York. We have the same kind of humor. And there's no bullshit. <laughs> she just says it as it is. And um, I'm that same way, even though I'm not from New York. So, um, so yeah. And it just, and I can feel her love, even though it's sometimes, I don't always love hearing what she has to, you know, how she sees my part is. It's very humbling being in program, let me tell you. <laughs> Yeah, but hopefully that answers your question. Thank you. 
uh, a question about like step six and seven and unmanageability. Like after the food was down and you were abstinent, what did that process look like before you felt like the unmanageability that you talked about was, was starting to settle down a little bit? That's a really good question. So um, what was the process for step six and seven and seeing the unmanageability in the process? So I didn't realize how much my character defects really got in my daily living. And my, my sponsor, Nancy, you know, she would, she would just point it out. She'd be like, you know what? You're, she'd be like, first she'd be nice about it and say, what character defect do you think is coming up? And I'm like, uh, ego? She's like, no, your selfishness, self-centeredness is really coming up. And pride. And uh, once you hear the same thing multiple times, it's really annoying. Yeah. So, <laughs> it's very annoying for me. So, um, so I realized, oh my God, I got to change because it's very difficult to talk to a sponsor. Well, for me, it's very difficult. And hear my character defects coming up on a regular basis. It's not the most pleasant thing. So, um, so it really made me realize, you know, and pause right at the moment. I mean, I'm still, I still have self-centeredness. I still have ego. I still have pride. I still have judgment you know, jealousy, but it's so much better. But it's because she would point it out to me and, um, you know, I mean, even this week with my sponsor, she pointed out some of my character defects. It was not the funnest conversation. But I learned a lot and I'm like, okay, this is what I need to do for next time. You know, so there's always more growth. I mean, I haven't become a perfect human being yet, even though I'd like to. So... Um, I think being willing to continuously get better as a human being in OA, because I'm never going to be beyond human. Yeah. Hopefully that answers your question. Thank you so much, Natalie. Um, you talked about uh, 15, 10, 11, and 12, and I was wondering what your um, so I use the A-E-I-O-U. Oh, the question is, um, what's my 10th, 10, 11, 12? Um, so 10, I use the A-E-I-O-U, which I know a lot of people have. And A is for, you know, absence. E is for exercise, which I used to hate, by the way, but now I do a lot. You know, I what I do for myself, oh, I did, what I do for other people, you, my underlying feelings, I write a gratitude list to my sponsor every day, um, you know, write what's uncomfortable. Um, I have a routine. For me, routines really work. Um, I get up quite early in the morning, and so I do my daily readings, and then 86 to 88, and then meditate. And so that way it's easier to remember, because I, I can't remember once. Well, now it's not as difficult because I'm working from home a lot. But when I was going to the office every day, once the day started, it was a completely different story. So making sure I use my mornings. I remember one time I told one of my coworkers that I, in the mornings, all the stuff I do for away. And she said, how do you have time for all of that? And I thought, doesn't everybody do this? But, you know, no, not everybody does it. But I'll tell you, it's the best way to start my day. It really is between talking to my sponsor, my sponsees, meditating, praying, if I need to write. Um, they, you know, the days are not always happy or good, but at least they start off on a good note. And some days are really smooth, and some days are a lot less than smooth. Yeah. So hopefully that answers your question.
great. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for asking me to share with you.